Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This is Not in the Mood, and I'm your host, Daryl Moody. I am actually recording this week's episode from the uh, talk studio, the host studio here at uh, WDBO. This is where we do all of our live shows, and uh, apparently studio space is as a, at a premium. Normally, I do this in a tiny little broom closet studio, but now I'm in this big palatial uh, talk studio with multiple chairs that are all empty. Uh, kind of funny, I haven't done the show from in here in over a year uh, not since last spring when I started doing Not in the Mood. So if you are still listening from back in those days, thank you. Really appreciate your loyalty. Uh, want to jump right into this week's subject matter, and that is a continuation of something we've been talking about here, uh, and that is social media and whether or not we should disconnect ourselves from it. And I'm saying that more as kind of a reflection on my own life because I feel like I spend entirely too much time looking at social media, looking at my phone. Uh, and if you have the discipline yourself to limit yourself to how often you look at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. If you can discipline yourself to only look at it a couple of times a day, good for you. I do not have that discipline. As I said in the previous episode, I find myself all the time looking at it, you know, almost every few minutes, and of course, nothing has changed. So, uh, and let's talk about my my uh, love-hate relationship with social media. I, years and years and years ago, my my friends, and I'll say friends in quotation marks, these are guys I grew up with, I'm kind of stuck with them at this point, but anyway, they thought it would be funny to give me a MySpace page, uh, and then kind of talk to girls from other parts of the country uh, of varying degrees of attractiveness, but you can imagine where this is going. Anyway, I had to threaten legal action to get my MySpace page to go away. So fast forward a few years uh, ahead, and now it's 2009 or 2010, I can't remember, but I had a news director at WFLA here in Orlando who came to me and said, you need to be on social media. And I was like, well, I have LinkedIn. And he's like, nope, you got to have Facebook. So they made me get Facebook. So I've been on Facebook that long. And of course, now I'm on there, you know, every hour looking at stuff. And I don't post a lot. I typically just post pictures of my kids and that sort of thing. But but I look at it all the time. And, and obviously, this isn't good for me or my mental health or my productivity. So I'm trying to, you know, weigh the options of whether or not I should just entirely get away from it. So uh, let's go back to the science of what makes social media so darned addictive. And uh, for our guest in this episode, we are going to be rejoined by Makana Shock. She's a former guest. Now we can call her a friend of the show. Uh, she's an associate professor of communications in Syracuse University and an expert on social media. Well, I've been studying media psychology for years, which is essentially the processes and effects of media, the ways that people process media, the effects it has on them. And then what are, to some extent, what are the factors of the medium, the ways in which they're being communicated? How does that affect that type of interaction, that, those types of effects? Um, started off studying television 
um, moved on when social media came around because there's some interesting aspects in terms of how it's both different and similar to more, I guess, more traditional mass communication forms. Although these days, I guess social media is traditional. It really is. It's it's become as, mm-hmm. as prevalent, if not more, uh, than some of the regular media that we've had for decades, print journalism, TV, radio, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, and what I want to talk to you about specifically is the kind of the uh, chemistry of what goes on in our brains and what causes us to behave with our phones and social media as if it were a drug. Uh, like I said, I find myself multiple times a day where I'll pick my phone up and I'll go straight to Facebook and I'll say, you just looked at that like 10 minutes ago. Nothing has changed. What is going on in my brain that causes me to do that without even thinking about it? Well, there's a number of different things. And what some research suggests is that when you get a like or a notification or something else, you get a little hit of dopamine. It's kind of a positive reinforcement. Um, and we, we kind of like that feeling. It makes us feel good. So we could go in the back and checking it. And there's also, conversely, if you miss out from that, there's this negative feeling, higher levels of cortisol, FOMO, this fear of missing out, um, or fear of rejection, or fear of being out of the loop or not being part of the tribe, um, that can also lead us to alleviate that by checking in. And it does become almost a habit of, you know, I do it myself. I find myself picking up my you know, uh, phone and checking things. And if you've ever lost your phone, that intense level of panic <laughs> that you have or people experience, <laughs> people do very strange things to make sure that they have access to social media in terms of, you know, driving back late at night to pick up your phone for your office, doing other things as well, just to make sure you're still in contact and you have some form of communication. And when we're talking about good uses for social media versus bad uses for social media, you know, using it to stay in touch with long lost friends and relatives who live in other Mm -hmm. states and that sort of thing, sharing life events, that's a good positive use of social media. But far more often, we see people engaging in kind of just vitriol where somebody will post something that may or may not jive with your belief system or may contradict what you believe to be true. Uh, All of a sudden, you are now confronting the person that posted that and things get really nasty on social media. I can't even tell you how many friends I've had over the years that just nowadays are simply not on social media. Uh, How do we keep ourselves from, from the pitfalls of engaging in that sort of behavior with social media? Well, you are correct. And the, the, the vast majority of people who use social media and the vast majority of things they post and communicate with are these ways of, maintaining a social network of communicating with other people who are part of your group, part of your tribe. And people use it also to make connections with new people who have similar interests and belong to similar groups. And that's more of the positive way of using this as a way of communicating outside of your geographic limits, which particularly during COVID became very important because a lot of our geographic limits were sometimes our front door. Um, But the other side to that, and it's actually not everybody, it's a a much smaller group if you actually look who does this, I do engage in these vitriolic types of online um, sort of battles uh, and pylons in some cases. And you see this to some extent. For some people, there's a difference between face-to-face interaction and social media interaction that gives you, even if it's your name or something on a particular site, gives you a certain level of anonymity. And you see people engaging in ways online that they would never dream of behaving in person. Um, and there's a sense of a different sense of social consequences 
um, different senses of willingness to engage in these types of battles and do various types of things. Um, and if you're not interested in doing that, <laughs> there's a variety of different things that people engage in or do to try and stay out of this. Um, in some cases, you simply don't engage, comment, post, ignore. Uh, keeping in mind if somebody posts something that seems controversial that you would like to correct, simply by looking at it, posting and responding, you have driven the underlying algorithm to have that particular post acquire more attention. So you may want to think about, yes, I want to post counter post or counter argument here, but in doing so, you have actually given more attention to this particular piece. Because it's all about um, engagement. Exactly. So, yeah. so that the, the underlying... Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, the point you just made about the algorithm, I never thought about that. I mean, you're, you're, mm -hmm. you're feeding into the problem and you're just making it worse. Mm -hmm. And you'll see this. Actually, there was a while where, um, for example, news sites uh, would have online news sites and they would select the top stories of the ones that had the most you know, comments on them. But what they were finding was that the most comments were among essentially the trolls arguing about things. And so you saw stories that weren't necessarily, a lot of people didn't even necessarily want to go and read the story because of the trolls on the site, uh, but they were listed by the underlying algorithm as being the ones that get the most traffic, the most engagement, positive or negative. The algorithm doesn't care. You know, you talk about algorithms, and I have, have experienced this myself a lot lately where I'm seeing all these Facebook videos that kind of draw me in. And before I know it, I've watched it for a few minutes. And then all of a sudden I'm saying to myself, wait a minute, I don't want to watch this. But it, and it's always, you know, it's the guy that's pressure washing the dirty driveway or something like some mm -hmm. of these cathartic videos that, you know, they're just kind of mindless. But I, I mean, I find myself getting trapped in these videos all the time. How do we how do we fight against the algorithms? Well, to some extent, I mean, these things are designed to get our attention. And of course, once you've watched pressure watching, you're now going to be getting ads for pressure washing from <laughs> All sorts of different sites that, that oh, he's interested in this. Um, you know? um, but it is, I mean, to a great extent, these things are actually set up so that you find yourself as you scroll through your site. They're supposed to get your attention within the first three seconds. Um, and they're designed that way. And the well-designed ones do attract your attention. Um, and sometimes it's relatively innocuous, pressure washing a driveway. Sometimes maybe not so much. Or the headlines or the, the actual things that catch you along those lines. And I mean, to a great extent, you just have to be aware that if you click on something, if you do decide to watch that video, um, there will be, you will now be watching pressure watching, pressure watching videos for quite some time now. Well, there's, and, and, I, and I'll take it a step further. You know, Facebook and Instagram are basically one and the same these days. Yeah. Uh, one of the, I have Instagram. I don't really engage on it much. I don't, I, I've posted twice in two years. Uh, but one of the pages that I follow on Instagram is called Nature is Metal, and they're they're essentially nature videos. Uh, some of them are graphic. A lot of them are, you know, the, the lions chasing the gazelle and, and ripping it apart and that sort of thing. But I have found just in the last few weeks, like as many of those uh, pressure washing and, and painting videos and that sort of thing, I'm seeing just as many, if not more, wildlife videos, and I don't engage wildlife videos on Facebook except for what is suggested for me by Facebook. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, Facebook and Instagram are the same company. So, and you know, the the data that's collected is the data that's collected. So, um, and you have you can go in actually into your Facebook profile and check and see what groups you have been added to. So, if you have to dig in a little bit into your own profile and keep going, but it will tell you what interest groups. Uh, Facebook thinks that you are interested in. 
And some of them are kind of um, unusual in terms of things, uh, what, what, you know, what things they think you're interested in, what groups, and it's based on this perception of what you've clicked on, what you watch, what other people like you who have similar demographics and interests have also done. Um, some of it's pretty accurate. Some of it may not be. Um, but once you've, once you've actually expressed an interest, they assume that you are interested. And it's designed to be, I mean, it's, this is not designed maliciously. It's designed to, the same way, for example, if you buy something on Amazon, you will then see, um, you know, a bunch of ads that will tell you, if, you know, if people who bought this also bought this. Um, you might be interested in blah, 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 because you purchased such and such. And we actually kind of like that. Um, it's something that is almost just it's been a selling point for Amazon, that you do get recommendations based on your interests. I think the concern with Facebook and Instagram is a lot of people didn't realize that this was part of the underlying process. So if you actually know that, yes, I'm going to go buy a pair of shoes on Amazon, I will now be seeing ads for similar shoes on Amazon every time I check in, um, we accept that because to some extent it seems all right. What people get upset by is this idea that you know they don't realize that the same thing happens. These are all paid sites. They're not free. Social media has operating on a business model, um, the way in which they make, you know, they, they, you essentially, they give you this stuff, you give them your eyeballs um, or your, your attention, essentially. Well, and I would argue that the true currency of the Internet is our data. Like, you know, it may be free to mm -hmm. us to use, but the, but we're what we're paying for it is with our data, therefore giving exactly. them access to it to do God knows what with it. Mm -hmm. No, essentially, it's, it's, we, they, we give them very specific data, which is then used to target ads and products to us directly. At least that's sort of the, the business model, the assumptions that's going on. Um, every so often, it's been used for other purposes, and people get very upset about that. Cambridge Analytica, other types of things along those lines as well. So, so how do we know as users? How do we know when we have a problem? Meaning, uh, are, we, are we using Facebook or using social media too much? Or? Yeah, m too much. I mean, obviously, using it for the right reasons versus the wrong reasons, that's pretty simple. But, uh, I mean, if you're only getting on Facebook to fight with people, obviously you're using it for the wrong reasons. But, I mean, how do you, mm -hmm. how do you know when you've become an addict? I think it varies to some extent for person to person. Because there's people who, I mean, their business is social media, so they spend all day long checking and scanning social media but they don't necessarily do it for personal, you know, pleasure. Um, it's what they, it, it's their job. Um, for other individuals, uh, it, you know, even just a little bit of use, if it has a major emotional impact or if it's something you can't actually live without, I think add addiction, struggling with the definition of addiction, but essentially if this is something where you realize that you, you know, that the very idea of losing contact of social media um, creates intense anxiety and that you cannot actually step away from it, um, then to some extent you need to be aware of just what importance this actually is playing in your life. Now, again, a lot of us use social media just as a way of communicating with friends, checking in with relatives, et cetera. And there are ways in which you can actually um, control this or at least measure some of the more negative impact. One of the things that some of the research suggests is it's not necessarily how much time you spend on social media, it's the frequency with which you check in. So if you have to keep checking constantly throughout the day, um, because you need that hit, you need to keep checking in, you need to keep doing things, this actually can have, this, this even in terms of the brain chemistry, which you're getting our sort of repeated hits throughout the course of the day. If you plan specific times, I will check in first thing in the morning, 
you know, to see what happened during the day. And I will check in during this period of time. And then I will check in once again in the afternoon and then maybe again in the evening, just at the end of the day. Um, so you actually block off times where you will do this. Um, they found that that actually tends to lead to, well, it doesn't necessarily, it depends on what you're doing it for, but it's, it has less of an effect on the sort of the brain chemistry um, in, as compared to constant sort of hits and double checks and things like this. Uh, less anxiety is involved. So aside from re- uh, regulating your time, are there other strategies to disengage from social media? Um, well, it's going to be interesting to see what the impact is. I mean, there was a surge on social media use and other types of things based on COVID because a lot of other other activities were shut down and a lot of our other ways of communicating with people were you know, closed down. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not there's this sort of prop as people spend more time with other human beings engaging in social communication, uh, having a human social network as opposed to necessarily an online social network. Um, but there's, you know, different types of things in which people may actually be engaging in or doing to try and draw back from it, taking times, uh, being more aware of it, being more aware of how you use social media and just the awareness that if you do click on something or use something, um, you're, you're, you're providing information, you're providing data um, that always should be part of, you know, your awareness when you use social media. It is not private. It doesn't matter how private your Facebook page is. Once you've posted something on there, it's, it's, you know, information. So you may want to be careful about what you post and how you post it. Um, and that you are constantly, um, you know, that, that data is all being collected and used by someone. So I hope you got a lot out of what uh, McConaughey Chalk had to say with respect to the science behind why we uh, easily get addicted to social media. Now, I want to expand the conversation out, and I want to talk to a cybersecurity expert next, uh, and I want to talk about what apps are safe to have on our phones and what apps are not safe to have on our phones, What uh, to what level should we be logged into things on our phone, Wi-Fi protection, all that stuff. I'm going to find a cybersecurity expert to talk to about that, and we will continue this conversation on the next episode of Not in the Mood.